Welcome, my name is Jason Watson with the Watson CPA Group, and I'm gonna keep saying that 500 times. We're now considered WCG Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> We're here at the Axe and the Oak, part of a, uh, our, I should say, a part of our bourbon and business series for our, our podcast. Quentin Leedy is joining me with First National Bank of Monument. And today we're gonna to talk about, um, I think somewhat controversial, but if you take a step back and look at it, there's some real economic impact of what maybe some rules and regulations are preventing. Um, and that is marijuana, cannabis, pot industry, whatever you wanna call it. Colorado and Washington, I believe were the first ones first two, yeah. to legalize it. I think that was also the same year that Denver and Seattle were in a Super Bowl. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. I think Roger Goodell had to tell had to tell the players, like, it doesn't matter where you land. <laughs> it's still a banned substance in the NFL. But uh, anyway, we from a CPA perspective, we have we're, we're in this weird dichotomy. Um, the activity is illegal federally. Um, we can still sign a tax return. We can still prep the return, there are certain rules, especially with the capitalization of expenses. And as it goes into inventory, you can't immediately deduct things like rent for um, the grow warehouse and other things like that. Yeah. That all has to be capitalized into, into inventory, meaning that you're not going to um, realize the expense of that until you sell the product. Luckily, I don't know too many marijuana stores that have a lot of inventory. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to sell pretty quickly, um, at least in our experience. Um, uh, for our state board here um, in Colorado, they have come out and said, we are cool in the gang with you signing and preparing tax returns as CPAs, and that is our governing uh, body, which is nice um, because we can deal with that on a local you know, level. Um, banking, not so much, right? No. So let's talk about some of the handcuffs that you have from a national perspective. Yeah, and so, you know, especially being a community bank, our regulators play a big role in our you know, our business decisions, they should in all, all institutions, but they have the power and, and we, we have choice in regulator, but we were chartered in 1901 and to change that is not real appetizing to us. Um, so we are under the office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which is the Treasury Department. There's also the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, but then there's the state. So can you just uh, tell us a little bit about that because there are different governing agencies depending on the bank? Yes, you, okay. can, you can choose to be a, a national charter, which we are, first okay. national bank. Okay. If you are, you're either gonna have the name national or the letters NA in okay. your name somewhere. Oh. And that signifies that you're chartered through the OCC, which okay. is Treasury Department. Um, the Federal Reserve is another uh, regulatory body that you can choose to have as your okay. be a Fed member. So you got bank. Treasury, let's say on this side, you got Federal, Federal Reserve. Reserve. And then okay. you've got State, uh, State Banking Commission and then FDIC. Those go hand in hand, so they rotate who does the exam. So FDIC will do one, and then the state, and they, they work together. Uh, the others okay. are independent. Okay, so we have really three in the state and the FDIC kind of churn yeah. within their own bucket. That's right. Okay. And so, and so, so if you were to begin one today, you had $100 million land in your pocket, and you want to begin a bank, let's yeah. say, uh, what would you choose? You know, um, we've had a great relationship with our regulator, and it, we feel like they are really strong just understanding community banking because they have been around for a long time. I think most of my competitors would say <laughs> state and FDIC. Okay. And, and I think um, 
partly because they know the local economy and what's going on. Um, and it's more of a local focus. I think they have a smaller budget, which can be good or bad. Um, and so I think, uh, I think if you look over the trend in the last 10 years, more banks have moved to the state charter and away from some of the federal charters. Okay. Is that for what reasons? Because of the local relationship you can build with your regulator and some of the local laws that are more flexible? I think that, and I think some accountability. You know, you can go to Denver and meet with them direct and, and the, okay. at the actual head of that department versus, you know, the head of the department we deal with is in D.C. They do have a Denver office, and we have a great relationship with those folks. Um, but there is an additional layer. Okay. Um, Somebody in Washington still has to sign off on yeah. stuff. Okay. So for banking, especially for a national charter, you know that it wasn't really an option. There was some guidance given by the Treasury Department, I think, in 2014 about, well, if your state allows this, here's how to go about it so that we don't come down on you. But the reality was there's still this federal piece to it that we, we had this um, kind of... Uh, oh, go ahead and do it. Nobody's going to get mad at you versus putting it on paper saying, look, right. here, it is fine. It's okay to do, do this kind of banking. And so what it triggered was a lot of state chartered banks got into the space. I shouldn't say a lot, a few. And they, because there's not many of us willing to do it because of the risk to our organizations from the government side of things, they, the fees they can charge on these accounts mm -hmm. is unbelievable. <laughs> and so it's capitalism at its best, right? But, um, it's 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 not fair. In my opinion, it's an industry that you know if you pull if you take them out of the banking system, what's the alternative, right? right? right. I mean, you do we want cash and people's safe at their business? Do we want them taking cash home or having to pay a fee to pay their taxes? You know, we can't track their activities um and and what what's going on in the industry we all want to know what's going on in whatever industry it sure. is that we're interested sure, in you can't do any analysis no data collection no data you know, mining i mean the irs is having difficulty figuring out what's a reasonable amount for this expense that expense because again people are using cash to pay for a lot of things well and then it provides an incentive right to not um report all of your earnings or right. not, not to be totally above right. board and so we think those things are important yeah totally let's um take a step you back again so we have the the Federal Reserve was in the middle, Treasury Department was over here, and then we have the FDIC and the state on this side. Which ones allow you to take marijuana dollars, for lack of a better word? So I none of them. <laughs> I, I think they would. I think they would all say, "Well, we've given an avenue for that," but the reality is, there's still big question marks about the criminal nature. So there are certain things where we have to basically monitor the accounts to the level where we're asserting that they're doing everything above board. Well, we don't know. How, how would we ever know if, if that uh, pot shop is allowing people to buy from across state lines where it's not legal with the intent of taking it to their state or, or whether they're reporting all of their information correctly? We, we can't, we don't know how to be the police for any right. industry, but especially that industry. Are you doing that for any other industry? Um, not to the extent that it's required there. Okay. Not to the extent. There are certain high-risk industries, um, you know, online gambling or okay. things things that has a tendency for uh, money laundering and fraud that okay. we have to monitor and watch closer, but uh, nothing like an illegal substance okay. from the federal government. Okay. So. so dollars aren't into or the, you know, they aren't entering into the banking system. 
kind of help us figure, you know, you tell us why that's not good for the economy. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, those dollars then, if they're not sitting in an account where we can then lend them out, um, they're not, the multiplier effect isn't happening. Right, so what's your lend ratio? Like if someone puts 100 bucks, I mean, that's probably not a, a fair example. Yeah. But tell us what you can, you know, leverage, you know, $10,000 into. We keep higher capital than normal, so we keep a little bit higher capital base than even our peer group. But even at that, we're putting out 88 cents of every dollar that's deposited in, we're loaning it back out. Okay. And so if that money's not in the banking system, it's sitting on the sidelines, okay. not being redeployed right. for other projects, whether they're, uh, any industry. I mean, it doesn't have to be marijuana related. You know, we take in the deposit, totally. we loan it out anywhere else. Totally. Um, and each bank should have the option to choose if they want to do that kind of stuff or not. We don't have the expertise in that industry. We wouldn't do it. Right. Um, but we can definitely help benefit the community by taking those deposits and redeploying them into new construction for people's homes or um, helping somebody buy a new tractor or whatever that right. item is. And when it's sitting on the sidelines, it really doesn't yeah. get that churn and multiplying effect. I mean, it's still being spent, let's say, you like to think that it's still ending sure, up. Sure, it's not all sitting in Yeah, but you're not getting, you're not getting that uh, big leverage. You know, economists always argue about that dollar here, let's say you give a tax break that puts a dollar back in someone's pocket, you know, does the GDP end up being a 7x or an 8x to that dollar? Like, hey, we're gonna add eight times to the GDP for that dollar. Maybe we're not talking about that as much, but if you can take money in, lend it out, so someone can go buy a house, well, now a realtor gets paid, you right. know, and now the guy who sold the house buys another house. You know, it's just a huge whipsaw effect by having those dollars in your bank that you can then lend out. Well, and, and you know, if you gum up that system too much and the banks won't take it, which is what's going on now, um, you know, they're forced to pay taxes in cash, pay a service to come get their cash. Um, the f nobody likes receiving cash for tax no. payments. No. And so it's just time consuming, it's inefficient, yeah. it's frustrating. Our preparation fee comes in cash. That's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reported, of course. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's just a lot of unintended consequences. There is, and we have a handful of customers that run marijuana farms, uh, warehouses, I should say, with the retail component. Those are usually dovetailed pretty tightly. And they all attempt to run this like a legitimate business. They got advertising expenses. They got labor, lots of labor. Um, they, you know, they're, they're paying rent. They're doing all the things a normal owner does. You know, um, it's just very interesting. If you were to line up 50 people and say, pick out which guys are running marijuana farms. You couldn't do it. Yeah. It's impossible. It's not like you can, can you clearly tell someone's different than everybody else. They're all small business owners trying to make a buck, yeah. you know, and they chose this as their profession. We had so. a, we had a real estate investor that um, has done real estate investment their whole adult lives, 25 years uh, doing that type of investment. And they also had a medical marijuana operation. And so, they wanted some financing on some real estate, totally separate from anything to do with the marijuana. And so we went to our regular and said, is this something we can do? I know there's some gray areas and the- To use their debt service, their financials, their yeah, net worth. Yeah, can we loan as, it to these people since they're in that industry, even though it's not maybe all of what they do. And the answer was peel out all marijuana income and if it can cash flow without that, then you're fine. And so even though they were receiving a d decent amount of cash flow, um, if those properties didn't cash flow on their own, then forget about it. You can't loan them the money. And, yeah. and it just, you know, some common sense things that don't 
don't really yeah. play in there. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. So, you, okay, so I can really see. So what what does the future hold, you think? I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, Washington and New York, whatever, those guys move at glacial speeds. Um, uh, it's becoming a federal issue. Are we issue. a decade away? Are we? I don't think so. I think it's moving faster than that because just uh, – two weeks ago, I think it was, the SAFE Act passed the House. Okay. And so the SAFE Act basically says you can bank, if you're in a state where it's legal, you can bank it without worry from your regulator for repercussions or for them telling you don't get into this industry. And okay. so the House is our, and it was very bipartisan. There were only, oh, there were over 90 Republicans that voted for it as well. And um, so it was really strong. And, and our state was one of the leaders in this because we are kind of at the forefront of this yeah. whole process. And so the House voting it in, now it kicks over to the Senate. The Senate's going to be tougher. There's more discussions to be had, but Senator Gardner here in Colorado is pushing hard for it. Um, and, and really with the arguments that, you know, this stuff needs to be banked. There's too many un- there's too many other avenues that this goes without it being in the banking system and, and different entities trying to be formed, those types of things that aren't healthy for our, our economy. And so... It is becoming a hot button. I've read things that say maybe as soon as three months we could have it into law and, and uh, available. Federally, you mean? Yes. Wow. Now, yeah. just like in the construction. Yeah. yeah. We're going <laughs> to we'll wait and see on that. Cause it, it so, won't. three Congress months is like five years. <laughs> could be, right. <laughs> but there is a lot of movement on it right now, and, and community banks are, are leading that fight. And we're trying to say, listen, this needs to be. How are the big banks in, responding to this? Well, I think a lot of them are already doing it. They just won't tell you that. Okay. Um, and so, they, you know, there's, there's some level of, well, we have a proprietary way of doing this and we don't want everyone in here. We want to get our thousand dollar a month fee and right. and continue to do this. And so I, they haven't been as vocal, but I, I think I sense that they would welcome a, a change there because nobody likes to have a huge department working on just trying to see, OK, who's doing marijuana and, you know, should we kick them out? Should it should it be an account that's allowed? Those types of things. It's really not productive. Yeah. No, it's tough. So, all right. Well, thanks for that. I know that's controversial. It's certainly controversial for CPAs. I know a lot of CPAs who don't want to touch that for maybe religious reasons, philosophical, but I think a lot of them are just afraid of the regulation yeah. behind it. And, and for banks, I think the same thing. And during that transition between someone saying, hey, we're going to look the other way to the point that you actually have it on, on paper it's going to be kind of a gray area for operations, you know. Yeah. Uh, r- real quick before I forget, how does like a credit union work? Where, where are they regulated? And do they have different rules in a bank? And yeah. I, I know nothing about the difference sure. between so, credit unions and well, banks. So, yeah, it's a great question. And I think a lot of people don't understand the difference. Credit unions were initially put into place to help serve the underserved. So people that couldn't get banking service, they couldn't qualify for a loan because they they. Um, no income or bad credit, or they had a unique um, business that they worked for that had seasonal cash flows that the typical banking product didn't work for. Um, think about like migrants coming across and they don't have everything they need right. or they haven't been set up long enough for a traditional loan. So they would serve the underserved. Um, and then the camel got its nose under the tent right. and they have expanded into the biggest financial institutions in, in the country oh, in some sure. instances, especially in this county. Uh, we see that a lot. There's a 300,000 square foot office being built up in our yes. neck of the woods yeah. for a credit union to serve the underserved, as you can imagine. Right. Um, and so that's not what's happening anymore. They are a nonprofit and they pay no taxes. So but they, how about the regulation? Can they take marijuana dollars? So or is that... 
their regulator is we uh, I'm biased here, so just <laughs> fair, fair. But um, the regulator is more of a cheerleader for them than you know ours is really there to make sure we're doing what we need to do the right way. And theirs really has. But they're certainly influential in the economy now. We they can't, are. They've we become can't, large. You can't ignore what they can do. Yeah. No. No question. And they do operate a lot. There's similarities a lot to community banking, which is the frustration because we will compete with anybody on a level playing field. Right. All day long. Right. But but the playing field's not level. Oh, okay. And so when you get a you know if you had a competitor that you know was doing the same business lines as you, but your tax rate is 30% and there's a zero. Right. Imagine what they could do with that right. 30%. Exactly. So, that's huge. And that's You're been right. the frustration. And so the net result is higher pay for their top people than what we can afford to do. Nicer real estate, bigger real estate, um, just more stadiums named after them yeah. or, or uh, event centers named after them. And, and so that tax benefit really, you see it come into play there. And, and nonprofit is kind of so a watered down, yeah. So it's a watered down term, that's unfortunately. Right. And, and we don't have a problem with the ones that stick to that original mission because there is a need there. Sure. But it's when we're when we're getting competition head to head from the doctors and the lawyers <laughs> and the, you know that's the underserved. Uh, that the lines have been really blurred as to yeah. what they can and can't do. I agree 100%. Well, thank you for spending time with us talking about a controversial topic, the marijuana stuff, um, how not putting cash into the banking system, not putting cash directly into the economy. We're getting it in there, but in kind of weird ways. Um, but though, but you know, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. My name is okay. Jason Watson with WCG Incorporated, um, a tax and accounting firm here in Colorado Springs. Quentin Leedy, First National Bank of Monument. Thanks for joining us. Axe and the Oak is uh, gracious hosts here for our bourbon and business series um, for our podcasts. And thanks, and we'll talk to you real soon.